Hello, my name is Christopher Kakuyo-sensei, and I am the practice leader of the Salt Lake Buddhist Fellowship. Our fellowship is made up of folks from all walks of American life. We are an American Buddhist Sangha. Our fellowship is lay-led, all-inclusive, non-discriminating, and transsectarian Sangha, influenced by the Pure Land Buddhist tradition and the teachings of Gyome and Koyo Kabose. Our organization focuses on the universal teachings of Gautama Buddha, the historical Buddha, and the mythic Buddha, Amida. Our approach follows the teachings of the Way of Oneness, a unique form of American Buddhism developed by Venerable Reverend Gyome Kabose, based on Shin Buddhist tenets. What you are about to hear are some Dharma talks from our local fellowship gatherings. Enjoy the Dharma talk. Today's Dharma talk is titled Attend to All in Each. And that's a line from uh, one of our prayers, one of the poems in our practice manual. And as I said earlier, one of the things that I, I want to do, and this is partially because we're creating the Certified Dharma Teacher Program, is we want to collect the teachings that make our tradition unique, that make what we do us. And a way for people who are coming into our community or somebody who wants to become a teacher in our community have an idea about our tradition and the things that are important to us as a community. So one of the things I've been thinking about is what makes us different. First of all, we are slightly different because we are inspired by a pure land tradition. And a pure land tradition is a less common Buddhist tradition that most Westerners uh, come across. And ours is not your stereotypical pure land tradition because it was one that was inspired by a movement called the Dobokai movement in Japan at the turn of the 20th century. And it's important to understand that even though there are major influences on us, we are not a Jodo Shin temple. And I would even say we might kind of be a pure land temple, but not really. We do what we do. That's what our tradition is. Our community is transsectarian. It means that we don't really um, adhere to teachings to only one school. And we even bring in all world religions. Um, in our Dharma talks over the years, from Islam to Christianity to Judaism to uh, paganism, uh, wherever there is truth to be found, if it helps us in our daily walk with the Buddha, we'll look for that truth. We'll look for that and incorporate that. So what are we? What makes us unique as a community? And they say the first thing is we are a fellowship of seekers following the way of the Buddha. And as a fellowship, we find meaning in the symbols and the myth of the Pure Land. And this is especially true regarding the mythopoetic and archetypal Buddha, Amida. We talk about Amida a lot. We say Amida's name all the time, every Sunday. And Amida Buddha is a symbolic and cosmic Buddha of boundless light and life that embraces everything and everyone just as you are. And this is the heart of come as you are. 
For those uh, of a more secular bent, I ask for your indulgence. We are not as far apart as some may think. The scientific and the poetic, the religious and the philosophical are not that far away from each other. In the most meaningful ways, we are not at odds. They are simply different languages in our exploration of being human. So I want to start this talk with a poem that I wrote, and it's in the fellowship manual, and we say it many Sundays. And it is the poem for the ch our chant. Um, and this was published in the Buddhist Review some years ago. Come as you are is the call of Buddhas, just as you are. Namo Amida Butsu. It is the invitation we give to ourselves, to others, to all living beings, to the totality of our lives, just as we are. So come, come as you are, attend to all and each, namo amida butsu. Stop torturing yourself with all those made-up stories of who you think you are and are not, regardless of who you are or are not, regardless of what you have done or left undone, and enter the gate of boundless compassion, namo amida butsu. So I wrote this poem in an attempt to convey what Namo Amida Butsu, the Nimbutsu, means to us in our community. In it, I'm trying to take something from a much different place in time, medieval Japan, and infuse it with meaning and healing power in a way that can speak to our lives right now, who we are right now right here and now. And as with art, poetry as translation, it is our feeble attempt to give words to the wordless, that which is beyond concept or limitation of language. It's finding an expression for that which is present in the heartbeat, the pulse, and the breath. We have spoken in some we have spoken in some of these teachings over the years. We will talk about them repeatedly and from different angles and at different times, just like an open field or a hidden canyon will reveal their secrets to, to those willing to sit in the changing light. So too it is with the teachings of the Buddha. We repeatedly look at the same teachings through the changing light of our lives, and new truths are revealed. As Kiyome Kabose Sensei has taught, truth is forever revealing itself in all forms and phases of life. Today, I want to focus on this verse from the poem, where it says, Come as you are, attend to all and each. Namo Amida Butsu. The heart of these few lines is the answer to what we do after accepting the invitation, namo amida butsu, or as we tr translate it, come as you are. We attend to ourselves as part of the whole and others as part of the whole. 
This is the Buddhist teaching that spiritual friendships are the whole of the way. That the Sangha is the refuge, the third jewel of Buddhism, is the whole of the way. We need one another to awaken. One thing that's attracted me to the traditional story of Amida Buddha, the archetypal Buddha, the mythic Buddha of boundless compassion, is his and our interdependence. And as myths go, it's pretty damn cool. The mythic Amida Buddha makes a series of vows to start his bodhisattva career, to help all beings attain awakening. His compassion is so boundless that if any living being cannot awaken, he vows not to attain enlightenment and become a Buddha. So for this Buddha to become a Buddha, we all have to join him. And I love this story because it shows how we are all interrelated, connected, and interdependent. Let me be more direct. We are dependent on one another to awaken. Amida's Buddha's awakening is dependent upon our awakening. We need one another to wake up. Here is a poem that I love that's written from somebody from the Shin tradition, Amaya Konin. And in our book club, we were talking about Maya Konin on Tuesday. The Maya Konin are considered like simple saints. They're uneducated. They're usually coarse in language. They're usually poor. But they have this really deep, profound spiritual insight in their humility. Uh, Sachi was one of these people. He was a carver of wooden shoes and a poet. Here, Sachi refers to Amida Butsu as Namo Amida Butsu. For him, there was no difference between the two names. The poem expresses this very thing we are discuss discussing. And here's the poem, quote, I'm so happy. I'm so, oh, happy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu comes to save, comes to Sachi's rescue. Sachi rescues Namanda Butsu. That's something else, don't you think? Now, I love this because it's, it throws traditional religion, it throws it off because it's always the savior or the God saving somebody. It's Isis, it's Jesus, it's somebody. But in this case, in this scenario, in this poem, both the person being saved and the person who's the saving are saving each other. They're interdependent. And I, and I love that. There's no hierarchy. There is only interdependence. One is not above the other. One is not independent of the other. The natural outflow of this understanding of interdependence is that attending to all and each, as Emerson writes, all are needed by each and one, end quote. So what does it mean to attend to one another and ourselves? And uh, of course, you can help me with the French. 
because mine is horrible. The English word attend comes from the 14th century French word, attendre? Attendre. Thank you. Attendre. To pay attention, to stretch toward something or someone, to take care, to be present for. At the heart of attending and tending is attention and presence. Still, the reciprocal invitation to come as we are needs to be more than just words. It's not just a catchy slogan. When we answer the call of Namo Amidabutsu, we respond with the same invitation to ourselves, others, and the entirety of our lives just as they are. We demonstrate our heeding the invitation by our presence, in our courage to show up repeatedly for our life, for others. Willing to show front and back as Basho's maple leaf haiku. We heed this invitation by listening deeply to ourselves and to others without judgment. By this simple act, we are tending to one another. Through this reciprocal invitation and our showing up, we show our aspiration to attend, to give our attention to what life is right now, in the flow of now, and not waste energy on how life is supposed to be. Attending to all our life as it is, attending to all our wounds that dance around one another and to each other, that we can find the Buddha in our everyday lives. It is also by attending to our joy, love, aspiration for healing and wholeness in the myriad of ways these manifest. Accepting the invitation to come just as we are, we tend to another person just as they are. We attend to each other just as we are amid the ever-changing and unimaginably unique locus of becoming who each of us are. What makes this possible? There's something about this holding of space, this acceptance and compassion that we've longed for, that unfolds the intricate origami of who we think we are. Such simple words, come as you are, just as you are. When we accept the invitation, there's an opening up, a softening of boundaries, a natural freedom that comes from learning to let go of the shame or thinking we need to be something other than we are to be loved. This opening, this attending, this tending to each other is what I see as the naturalness of who we are, our innate Buddha selves, which are born out of come as you are, namo amitabutsu. Here is where the healing energy of the nambutsu is found 
in the opening space revealed by this invitation. We find the space to become who we are for a moment, and then from a moment to moment to moment. An awakening, a ripening. As Rilke, the poet, has written, quote, all becoming has needed me. My looking ripens things, and they come toward me to meet me and be met, end quote. Let me read that one more time. All becoming has needed me. My looking ripens things, and they come toward me to meet me and to be met. Our attention, intention, and presence are necessary for all becoming. It makes it possible for us finally to meet each other as we are and not through the myopia of the given and borrowed stories that have defined us for so long. So why do we need this invitation from the Buddha to come as you are? Well, I think it's because many of us require that invitation. We need the Buddhas to say, it's okay to be ignorant. It's okay to be wounded. It's okay to be beautifully broken because amid our ordinariness, that's where we wake up. As Koyo Kobose Sensei writes, quote, every spiritual journey begins in darkness, end quote. Responding to the call, we can let go of all the stories of who we are and are not, of who we think we're supposed to be, or the weight of all the things we have done and left undone that keeps us frozen or paralyzed. Underlying all things is the invitation in a very practical way. Everything can be a bodhisattva, can be a teacher. Darkness and devils can be Buddhas helping us wake up. Even our screwed up lives can be a gift of awakening. We have heard the call and our first steps are tentative. Come as you are. And maybe for a long time, it's hard for us to even respond to the invitation. The first step is accepting, tending to, and embracing our lives just as they are. With all its joys and pains and suffering and disappointments, we embrace it just as it is. We say to our lives, come as you are. But this is no passive acceptance. This is not a giving up. Quite the opposite. This acceptance is an acceptance that does not make excuses for apathy, nihilism, or bad behavior. This is not the acceptance that excuses an abuser's actions, but the acceptance that come with, at times, a heart-crushing realization that my lover is an abuser and I need to leave, or that I am a perpetrator and I need to get help. The hardest part 
is accepting our wounded selves. Whatever we are running from is inside of us. This is what needs our attention, intention, and presence. It longs for our compassion. The invitation opens up a space where we can begin to tend to the darker sides of ourselves, the wounded side of ourselves. Because I know that I embraced never to be abandoned just as I am. Because of this, I can finally attend to what needs attending and where I can begin to embrace my inner wholeness. Carl Jung said, I would rather be whole than good. And I think that's very important. That is a sentiment that means to go to the pure land. We don't go to the pure land because we're good, but because we're whole. Whole in the compassion of Amida Buddha. The pure land is a gathering in an open field that Rumi speaks of in one of his poems, a place that is beyond the conception of good and evil, a place where we come together. D.T. Suzuki has written about the myth of Amida Buddha, where he says, as far as Amida is concerned, he is all love. There is no thought in him of punishing anyone, such as discriminants judgment are not in him. He is like the sun in this respect, shining on the unjust and the just. A sinner comes to the pure land with all his sins, or rather, he leaves them in the world where they belong. And when he arrives in the pure land, he is in his nakedness with no sinful raiments about him. Karma does not pursue him to the pure land, end quote. So this, this Buddha accepts us as, a, as we are, as we all are. There are no exceptions. And as human beings, we need that kind of acceptance. We need that radical acceptance. Because if there is an exception, what will we do? We will find a way that I am that exception and am unworthy to be loved. When we attend to ourselves and others, we take the journey into the places we have hidden our suffering and our woundedness, where we've hid it from view, and we bring it out as an offering to the Buddha. This tending to one another is not so much a needing someone to go with you or you needing to go with someone, but it is the knowledge that someone is there without judgment, waiting for you to return with open arms. This acceptance is moving towards wholeness, healing, and awakening. As Guillaume Kabose sensei has taught, acceptance is transcendence. It is our freedom. This moving towards acceptance and embracing of the invitation is moving toward our pilgrimage. I love this from Philip Cherkop, where he writes, quote, on our pilgrimage towards wholeness, 
in a gentle act of hospitality, were challenged and invited to name and welcome all the bruised and broken pieces of our marvelous and beautiful story. In this process, we slowly integrate all the different voices within us competing for attention, learning to love out of the unity of voices that we are, end quote. And here I want to interject a word of caution. Some of us were raised intentionally or unintentionally as caretakers, and you know who you are. We caretakers must be vigilant because we have a habitual tendency to tend to others' feelings while ignoring our own. As Dr. Margaret Paul has taught, avoiding our feelings is a way to avoid responsibility for them. As we try to fill the void of our self-abandonment. Come as you are is a coming home to yourself. Coming as we are is the first step on our pilgrimage toward wholeness. It's the invitation of Buddha, of all the Buddhas. And hearing the call of Namo Amida Butsu, come as we are, we begin to cultivate our attention and our capacity for presence. Namo Amida Butsu is a call to be alive. Sometimes I am so on autopilot that I forget I'm living a life. That is what regular meditation practice helps us do, cultivating our intention and capacity to be present helps us to stop living on the surface of things. As the essayist Maria Popov has written, quote, to fully feel life's course through us, indeed, we ought to befriend our attention, end quote. To befriend our attention requires intention, but simple attention is not enough. Most of our habitual attention is not focused on that which needs healing. In general, our default attention is not intentional, but habitual and unconscious at the service of some story we are telling in our heads. We tend to use our attention to justify or validate our script. The kind of attention we're talking about here is intentional, self-reflective, honest, humble, and straightforward, but not self-centered or self-absorbed. Greg Kretsch writes, quote, our attention is our life. Shifting our attention opens us to reality and reveals what has always been there, end quote. The shifting of our habitual attention towards intentions and presence is the heart of this attending that we're talking about. Part of this tending is developing the capacity to hold space within paradoxes. Andrew McAllister talks about this in one of his essays. It is the simultaneity of our woundedness, shame, self-loathing, and our essential goodness coming as we are gives us the space 
to hold these two at the same time. I can be whole and broken at the same time. He goes on to write, quote, something deep in us says we are not good, that we don't deserve to be good. And yet, the more we practice attending to the depths of us, the more our already given goodness is lavished upon us. As attention on the mantras, ours would be Namo Amida Butsu, is dependent, clarified, and focused. That paradox, that woundedness and essential goodness experienced together become over time reconciled. This quote reminds me of these lines from the poem. Stop torturing yourself with all those made-up stories of who you think you are or are not. Regardless of who you are or are not, regardless of what you have done or left undone, and enter the gate of boundless compassion. Stop torturing yourself with all those made-up stories. Come as you are is an invitation for us to tend the garden of our hearts in the refuge of the Dharma and the Sangha, the boundless compassion of Amida Buddha. I appreciate this from Jack Kornfeld. Quote, you have in you the seeds of great compassion, the seeds of wisdom and care for others. Meditation then is not to make some special experience, but it is to learn how to tend the garden of your heart and to water the seeds of kindness and to have presence in your own heart, end quote. So my aspiration for us as a community is that we learn to attend to each other, to attend to our lives, to all of life as it is as you are right now. I find such great joy in this. And when I close with this poem from Sachi, where he writes, how fine the whole world and vastness of space is Buddha, and I am in it. Namo Amida Butsu. In some way, this, this practice is an incredibly difficult practice. Incredibly difficult practice. Because one of the things, part of the acceptance and looking at our stories is we realize are the depth of our delusions. And that's hard. I mean, a lot of Westerners really love Buddha nature because I have Buddha inside me. And I believe in Buddha nature, but it doesn't mean you have a superhero inside you. It means you have an awake person inside you. You are awake. And, and Nabuha Haneda, a great Shin teacher, said that Buddhism is not about being a good person. Buddhism is about being a humble student. A humble student of life. A humble student of our inner world. A humble student of the Dharma. A humble student of attending and helping and walking gently. And if you think about it, to attend 
you have to slow down. To attend, you have to stop. To attend, you have to listen. Attending is mindfulness. Attending is being in the present moment. And anybody who's a gardener or a farmer understands what it means to attend to your garden, to attend to your crops. What does it take? What does it mean? It's presence and time and the ability to respond. The Buddha finally had his awakening when he stopped. When he stopped trying to figure out all the different levels of concentration and as he was doing his aesthetic practice and starving himself to death. And when he finally woke up is when he stopped trying to wake up. When he just sat and said, I'm just going to sit here and wait to be awoken. It was when the Buddha went from the masculine energy generating forceful energy and went to ultimate passivity or receptivity of feminine energy is when he was able to open himself up and receive awakening. The Buddha didn't find awakening. Awakening found the Buddha. Found the Buddha in that space of attending, in that space of presence. And we have this ancient tradition from 1200 1200 AD, medieval Japan, and there's power in it. And what we try to do in our community is take some of the language, uh, some of the images of a religious time and find a way to draw meaning from that. Because all the teachings are is other human beings like us engaging with life. And what does it mean to be human? And how do I become fully human? And that's the experiment we're doing here in our community, taking this ancient language and translating it in a way that it can help us and those in our life live a full human life without having to change you into something you're not. Not about fixing anybody, you're not broken. The only thing that's actually broken are things. People can't be broken. You're only human. One thing you cannot fail at, being human. It's impossible to fail at. So I think the invitation is really important. And it's more than a cool tagline. It might be the first time in our lives that we've all been actually given the message and the invitation just be you. Just be you. I want to love and know you. And our practice is finding ourselves. Finding ourselves in the invitation of Dhamma Amida. Mitzvah.